Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. Copy God's Word. Once you find the book of Romans is where we're going to be at tonight. We're going to be a little bit all over the map, but we're going to start at Romans. So hopefully you got your phone out earlier and got that QR code. If you didn't, you can always just go to Uversion Bible app and you can find our notes so that you can follow along tonight. And we are kicking off a new series and I am so excited. This series is called One Night Standards. And it's a little bit of a play on words and we're going to be talking about your romantic life. And we're going to be talking about what God has to say about sex and about dating and about relationships. And it's going to be incredible, so we hope that you would tune in and follow along with us over the next couple of weeks. And a standard defined is, is like a, it's a, basically an expectation. It's a, it's a common thing that we all kind of agree upon, like a standard of measurement. And then it's an expectation. And I don't know about you, but I've had some times in my life where I've had some expectations for things to work out a certain way, but they didn't go that way. Anybody have ever had some expectations in their life, you thought it was going to work out a certain way, and it didn't go that way. Let me share with you a, a story of how this happened a couple of weeks ago. My washer machine broke, and we had just come back in town, and so when you've got a family of five and your washing machine breaks, it is a crisis on the hands, right? And so we have all types of laundry that's got to get done. It's, oh, excuse me, I just swallowed something. Anyway, so I'd begin to do I'm back. I begin to do what a lot of you begin to do. I get on Facebook Marketplace, right? Because I'm going to buy used if I can. And so, man, I find the deal of the century. I find this brand new Samsung double-decker washing machine. We're going to be able to do loads upon loads of laundry. It still has the stickers on the outside of the washing machine. And I go and I buy and I I found a good deal. It was cheap. It was available and it was affordable. So I showed up. I felt kind of bad. I was like, man, I'm getting too good of a deal. But the guy, he was like, no, man, you know, it was my mom. She passed away and gave me this story. I was like, all right. So I get it. I get it home. And listen, I get it down into the basement. I sweated to get it down those stairs by myself. I get it in the basement and it, 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 it looked brand new on the outside. I plugged it in and it got turned on. And then it was able to hook up to the water hoses. But can I tell you that it was missing some vital parts on the inside? That that brother sold me a broke washing machine that was missing the motor unit. It was missing hoses. I began to pull panels off. And I was like, man, I got got bamboozled. I got deceived. And I gave this guy my money. And I gave him my time and my energy, and I still didn't get the washing machine that I needed. And I share that with you because that's a picture of a lot of y'all's romantic life. Man, you come in here tonight, and you look good, you smell good, you got stickers on the outside, you, you can get turned on, you can hook up, but there's something missing on the inside of your soul and your heart that's causing you to be unable to fulfill the whole purpose by which you were made. And I think the enemy is in here and he's, he's convinced us that this is just normal life. That what it means to be a young adult is you look good, you can get turned on, you can hook up, but you can never really have the heart behind what you need to in romantic relationships. And he is deceiving our generation And he's laughing as he watches us waste our teenage years. We've already done that. 
and then continue to do the same foolish things in our 20s and our 30s expecting a new result. And so when it comes to sex and relationships, we've come into this place tonight and we are all over the map. And there's something inside of of every one of us to one degree or another that is a little bit broken and we need a new standard tonight. And so we're kicking off this series, One Night Standards. And we're glad that you're here. And here's what we want to do over the next couple of weeks and tonight. We want to give you biblical standards so that your honeymoon night can be dynamite. Come on, somebody. Yeah. And we want to point you to God's Word so that you can get some new standards to navigate your singleness if you're single. Some new standards so that you can win one night at a time. Because, listen, we need some new standards. I wonder, when it comes to sex specifically, where did you get your standards? Catfish? Tinder? Bumble? The Bachelor? The Bachelorette? From your wake of one night stands, history? From that time where you thought it was a good idea to move in with each other and you got a cell phone plan together so might as well move in with one another? Did you get it from this culture? Where did you get your standards? I know for me, my standards when regards to sex, it began when I was eight years old. And I have a story much like some of your story that I, I stumbled upon pornography at a way, way too young of an age. And it began to expose some things. I began to build a standard based upon what was being sold to the pornography industry. And a lot of you, you've come in here and there was a time early on in your life where you begin to build a standard based upon some things that you saw, based upon some things that the world has to say. And so you've come in here, we've come in here, we've built our standards in regards to sexuality on, on porn, on HBO, on Cinemax that turned into Skinemax after 11 p.m. You know, we've, we've built our standards upon these things. And so when we come to pursue romance and relationships and what is appropriate, what's inappropriate, what we should do, what we shouldn't do. We are all over the map, even within the church. And so we've come in here tonight to see what God's word has to say, because you and I, ultimately, we are the sum total of our experiences and our education. And if we continue to pursue romance and sex and dating the way that some of you have continued to pursue that, it will lead you to frustration. And listen, I don't want to hear about you crying at night because your heart was broken again. I don't want to counsel another guy that just tells me I cannot get off of pornography. I don't want to see marriages get five years in and blow up because they never established themselves upon Christ and they threw themselves into a relationship that was hot and heavy and exciting at first, but then it just began to unravel. And we are not winning in relationships in our culture And so it's time to get some new standards. If you're taking notes, I've titled this message, New Standards. New Standards. And here's what I want you to see tonight throughout God's Word. I want to expose three lies that are so common in our culture today. And then I want to interject a standard that you can put into place in order to combat those lies. So that's what we're going to do tonight. Bad standards happen in my life and 
And I began to, I began to follow Jesus. He intersected my life when I was about 20 years old, and, and I was like, God, I need your forgiveness. And I heard the gospel in a fresh way, and I was like, okay, it's time for me to begin to, fo- begin to follow Jesus. And here's what you need to know. like, Just when you begin to say yes to Jesus, and a lot of you, you've done that uh, recently, and, and, and it doesn't mean that you just arrive, all right? It doesn't mean that you just wake up, like I, I prayed to receive Christ or I was baptized, that you're just going to wake up and not struggle ever again. Can I get a witness, right? And, and, and I think some of us, we, we feel like we can't confess our struggles because we think we should be beyond that, right? <laughs> Man, I'm 35 years old, and there are some things that were exposed and awakened in me as a boy that I'm still struggling with today. But by his grace, God has given me victory consistently in those struggles. But listen, they come knocking every day. And I learned early on when I was a young adult to just internalize Romans 12 too, which if you're taking notes, it says this in Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world. What it's saying is that there are some things in this world that we have a tendency to conform to, that we can get a little bit um, wrapped around some things in this world and we can begin to mold our life to this world and that's just natural. And Paul is saying, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Y'all say transformed. You gotta be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so I begin to be transformed and the way that you're transformed is that you begin to think differently. You begin to put on the mind of Christ. You begin to look at those things that you once were enthralled with and entangled in and, and you begin to look at the things that, the, that your peers are involved in and you're like, no, 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 I think, I think God's changing me from the inside out. I'm not, I'm not being conformed to those things, but I'm being transformed. And that's what I mean by when, we, when I say that we need some new standards, that, that I begin to pray this prayer, God, would you give me a new mind? Would you transform my thinking? I don't want to see people as objects anymore. God, would you help me? Would you restore my innocence, God? Would you help me have a new approach, a new paradigm to life? And that's my prayer for every one of us here tonight, that we would be no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind. But we've got to identify some things that, that we conform to often. Here's the first thing, if you're taking notes. Here's the first lie I want to talk about is that sex is no big deal. Sex is no big deal. It's just physical. That this, this, this idea that you could just kind of swipe right, get a one-night stand, and no strings attached, that we've come in here and we're, we're uh, an echo of a lot of ways of this guy, a 29-year-old that was interviewed in a Rolling Stones article and, uh, called Tales from Millennials, Sexual Revolution, and he said this, that point blank, that sex is a piece of body touching another piece of body, just as existentially as meaningless as kissing. That This is the mantra of a lot of people, and maybe this is your mantra here tonight. It's no big deal. It's just physical. It's not affecting anything. We're consenting adults. We just kind of, you know, you shack, me shack, and a bed do we go. You know what I'm saying? And we just kind of do that sort of thing, right? And it's no big deal. It's just, it's just kind of, you know, that it's just physical. And listen, the paint is still drying on what this effect is having on society. But we do know some things about the way that our brain operates in order to debunk this. So this gentleman that made this quote, he probably hasn't done his research Because listen, you need to understand, and I think we know this intrinsically, but we have to deny this or we have to put it at bay so that we can continue to function the way that we want to at times, that sex affects us holistically. We are mind, body, and soul. 
It says this in the scriptures, Matthew 19, 5 and 6. Jesus said this. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united in one. He's talking about marriage. And he says, since they are no longer two but one, listen, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Uh, This word joined is this idea that you're tying your life into the life of another person. That every time you do something sexual of nature with a, with a computer screen, a phone screen, or with a real human being, you are being intimate with that thing. The, the intimacy, this word that means into me see, you are exposing what is inside of you to that person. Listen, God designed this sort of joining to, to solidify marriage. It, it's he hardwired our brains that when we engage in sexual activities, that it does two things. It adheres us to what we're engaging in sex with, and then it addicts us to what we're engaging in sex with. And so the Greek word that Jesus uses is kaleo. It literally means to glue, to glue together, to see men or fasten together. And that one of sex's greatest purposes is to unite you to whatever you are having sex with. Well, let me explain it this. I want you to imagine that this is your soul. It's a shoe sole. You get it? All right. Y'all going to get that. All right. And I want you to imagine this is your soul, and everyone has come in here tonight, and you have a soul. There's no denying that. What makes you different from a monkey? You got a soul, all right? You don't poop in your hand and throw it at people and think it's funny. If you do, see us up here. We're going to talk, all right? You have a soul, and, and what makes you uniquely human is that you have a soul. And inside of every soul is this capacity to adhere to another human being. Women, you have a greater propensity to do this. That's why typically uh, you, you, have, you, you have commitment ties. Like you, you get jealous, you're possessive. This is God's design. The, there's a part of your brain called the hypothalamus that in women it's generally larger than men. And there's two interesting things about the hypothalamus in a woman. That's where your memory bank is stored. That's why you, you mess with a woman, she's going to mark you, bro. And she ain't ever forgetting that. Now she may forgive you, but she ain't ever forgetting it, all right? She'd be, she'd be remembering stuff 30 years down the road. Remember when we was in second grade? You're like, oh, you know, it's the, hypo, it's the hypothalamus, all right? They're biological. They can do that. The other thing that's larger is the storage bank for oxytocin. Oxytocin is this amazing drug that is released, and the oxytocin is the tape on our soul. Oxytocin is released in a woman's body when she's nursing her new baby. And what it's, what's happening is oxytocin's released, and it's causing a it's causing a bond between that mother and that child, a, a great thing. But another interesting thing, and some of you know this, but every time you climax sexually, you release oxytocin and a few other hormones, but oxytocin is the glue one. And it allows you to adhere to whatever you are climaxing to. And God has designed human beings this way so that you would adhere to one another in marriage. And so men, typically your sex drive is stronger because you've got testosterone running through your body at a higher level. And so you want to, you know, um, be intimate with your wife and the wife, she has greater oxytocin. And so as you are pursuing one another sexually in marriage, you are bonding together the way God designed you. Now the problem with that is, is that we believe oftentimes in our culture that sex is just physical. And so we can just look at pornography and we can stick to our phone. And once we stick to our phone, we have to rip off of that. And then we find, you know, somebody else, and we're like, ooh, we'll stick to them. And then we rip off of that. And then we finally find the person that we want to stick to, another soul, our soul mate, and we, we think, okay, I'm going to stick to that person. 
and we're in love, and he's just, he's a special man, and he's got a lot of potential, right? But then it doesn't work out, and you have to pull yourself apart. And then you find another person, and you stick to them. And then you got to pull yourself apart. And then you finally, some years down the road, over time, you have stuck to so many different things, so many different things. You have adhered to them because you keep climaxing and looking at pornography and going out for one-night stands and doing oral sex or whatever the thing you've got going on, and you keep sticking to all these different things. And so when it comes time to finally settle down and get married, you've lost your stickiness. And when sex loses its stickiness, it loses its significance. And so here's the new standard that we've got to put into place. The new standard is this, that sex is a very big deal. It's a gift of God. And I think we know the pain of losing our stickiness. I mean, even in our culture today, there's a song that's out right now called Same Room by a guy named J.P. Sachs, I think is how you say his name, and here's what he says. We can't even be in the same room. He's talking about because they broke up. They hooked up, and then they broke up. He said, we can't even be in the same room. My friends are making sure I don't see you. I strategize a path to the bathroom so I don't walk past you. You leave before the concert is finished. It's probably for the best that you didn't. Make us try to fake our way through. Hey, how are you? We can't even be in the same room. We can't be even in the same room. Listen, sex is not just physical. It's a gift of God. That's why it's so dangerous outside of the context of marriage. So we need a new standard. You can look good on the outside. You can get turned on. You can get hooked up. But there's something missing on the inside. And we need a new standard, and we need to understand that sex is a very big deal. It's mind, body, and soul. It's meant to be sticky. It's meant to help two people come together. I was reading an article this week in a medical review, and it talked about women who experience greater levels of sexual satisfaction. And it said that about 25% recorded high levels of sexual satisfaction after being married about 10 years, and they said it went up to 85% of sexual satisfaction when they had been married for 40-plus years. Think about that. Man, the number one contributor to your sexual satisfaction is that you are able to satisfy the woman that you're with. And a woman's number one contributor to sexual satisfaction is longevity and security and commitment And so there's no such thing as hitting it and quitting it. It doesn't work. We can come in here and we can think, oh, we just friends with benefits. We just, you know, we just kind of are there for one another when we need something. But it's causing you to be connected to that person. And it's a very big deal. And we need a new standard. Again, you look good on the outside. You can get turned on. You can hook up but you may be missing the whole point and the purpose of why God has created you in this way. So the second lie that I think that is so common when it comes to sexuality is that sex is God, that sex is God. Now, I don't think that we would outright say that, but the way that we function, we definitely worship sex in our society. And there's so much confusion in our culture because we lack the value that sex is a very big deal, therefore we misunderstand sex and we make it so commonplace, but then we begin to elevate it and we begin to worship it. And so marketers, they pick up on this and so they are gonna throw 
advertisements on your Instagram feed that are going to have attractive people selling like windows or something, right? You know, it has nothing to do with sex, but they're attractive. They're, I don't know if you've seen a cologne commercial lately. Like I had to edit that mug, right? I'm like, what is going on? I'm covering my kids' eyes, you know? I mean, it's, and it's just so sex inundated because there's this huge industry over it. We follow people that are sexy. We listen to songs that talk about, I'm a bad girl. You know, we listen to all kinds of things that are explicit. We are entertained by, I mean, The Bachelor is still happening. The Bachelorette is still going on. It doesn't ever work out, but we are flocking to that stuff, watching it, because there's just something about that. And if you don't believe me that we worship sex, then begin to research the sex trafficking industry. And you'll find out real quickly that there are dollars being given to enslave people for the purpose of sex. And it's, you think COVID's bad, it's a pandemic in our society. And our culture that we are operating within, it lies to you and says that sex is God. And if you don't think sex is not your God, why can't you stop looking at porn? If you think, oh, it's not that big a deal, I'm not worshiping this or anything, then put your phone away. And quit touching yourself. Just try. But you're becoming a slave to the thing that you worship. And then the way you see this play out as well is that a lot of you come in here and you're single, and here's, here's a real common thought that, that I'm single, ready to mingle, holla, you know, when I'm single, and I think, okay, that, that if I get married, that's going to resolve all of my fantasies. If I get married, that's going to resolve all of my needs. And so a lot of us see sick, uh, sick, singleness as a sickness and that marriage is the medicine. But listen, marriage will not heal your deficiencies in singleness. It will just reveal greater the deficiencies that you got going on. And God, I mean, sex is not God. And when you put that pressure on an individual, it will crush them or it will drive them away. Because no woman can satisfy your deepest sexual fantasies if you're looking at pornography. And no man can be your, your Jerry Maguire and be your everything or your Noah from the notebook and write your sweet letters and be there and do all the stuff that you think he needs to be. If you think that sex is God, it will deeply disappoint you. And if you think that singleness is somehow the enemy in life, you've misunderstood your own life. That singleness is not the enemy in life, discontentment is. And your singleness is just revealing the depth of your discontentment in your heart. Let me remind you that one is still a whole number. You're not half a person until you get married. Jesus, the greatest human being ever, single. And I think sometimes we misunderstand what marriage is and we begin to put it on this pedestal and so we begin to have this perverted view of life, and it's causing us to look good on the outside, to be able to get turned on, to be able to hook up, but be missing the motor and the components on the inside to accomplish our purpose. And we need a new standard paradigm. We need to seek God and seek his perspective on these things. We need to not see sex as God, but we need a new standard and need to understand that sex is a gift from God. The new standard is this, standard number two, sex is a gift. Sex is amazing. I've got a wife, three kids to prove it, all right? Lots of, it's awesome, okay? It's a gift that God has made. God made the parts. God made the passion 
But listen, God gave the parameters so that you can experience the greatest pleasure. He's the designer. You find all throughout the Bible, this was, this was God's ideal. Genesis 2.25, this is my life verse. It says this, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. It's, I'm just, it's not my life verse. Y'all are like, that's pretty shallow, right? <laughs> Got it tattooed right here. Oh, I'm just kidding. But what you're seeing there is that, that God, he intended for this. He intended for you to find someone, if Lord willing, and, and marry them and to enjoy one another. He even says in Deuteronomy 24.5, I love this. I think we should bring this back. It says, when a man has taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war or be charged with any business. He shall be free at home one year to bring happiness. Now, I don't know what that means in the Hebrew, but I got some ideas, all right? To bring happiness to his wife whom he has taken. Did you catch that? God, he issued a society where any man that got married didn't go on a one-week honeymoon. I'm jealous of y'all that went on three-week honeymoons. Brother went on a year-long honeymoon. Like he got to dodge the draft, just got married, holla at your boy, you know, to make his wife happy. This was God's intent. You, you find out in one of the greatest love stories of all time, Song of Solomon 5, God looks down. The only time that he speaks in the whole book, he looks down after this guy's just consummated his marriage, a.k.a. they just got it on in their honeymoon, all right? And God looks down, and here's what he says, eat, O oh friends, drink, yes, drink deeply, O oh, be oh, beloved ones. Another translation says, drink deep, you lovers, and have your fill. God's like, yeah, go, all right. He's excited. Listen, God is not against your sex life. God is good. He's the inventor of sex. It's his idea. He is, he is more for your fulfillment than you are. He wants you to have a vibrant sex life. But listen, in his time and in his way. And the new standard is that we understand that God has given us sex as a gift. But oftentimes we don't want to trust God's plan. You know, I, I talk to you guys. Like I, I hear your burdens and your struggles. And I would say that the number one thing that I talk and counsel with people about deals with their sexual dysfunction. We are more jacked up than we want to admit up in this room. That as a society, we've elevated sex and, we've, and we've, we've got this kind of weird paradox going on because we have all of these high expectations and high hopes and high standards for marriage, right? Like, I want a man that's got an eight-pack that makes six figures, that loves kids and is, is good in the yard, right? You know, and, and, and so you have all these high standards. We're going to have this wedding. You've got secret Pinterest boards. You've already planned, like, who your bridesmaids and groomsmen and the backups. You know, you've already picked out the wedding. You're, you're not even dating anybody yet, right? But you've got all that planned out. And we have all of these high hopes for marriage. And we think, oh, it's going to be amazing. I've got high standards. I want it to be incredible. No one sets out to get married and says, you know what, I want it to be really, really bad. I just, I like drama, and I wish they would do like a reality show over my marriage. It'd be awesome. No, no one sets out to do that. So here's the paradox. We have super high standards for marriage, but when it comes to sex today, we're willing and available. And we got to have it. And so we look for what's cheap, what's available, and what's affordable. And we can look good on the outside. We can get turned on. We can hook up, but something's missing on the inside. And we need a new standard. So, so what do you do, right? Like, like you, 
you come in here, you hear a message like this, and you're like, man, so I've really messed this thing up, and I don't really know what to do, you know, and sometimes it can be really, really defeating, and, and then we don't know what is the action plan moving forward. Well, God's Word, He gives us a plan, and and what we see is that God is not trying to call us to do something that he won't equip us to do. Like, and and there, there's this reality that we've come in here, we've all been scammed by society and sold a sex life that leaves us hollow. And, and here's the thought. Like, we hear a message like this you, and, and we think, you know what, I'm going to go out and do better. <laughs> I'm going to go out and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to manage this area of my life. And so here's the third lie and final lie that we oftentimes believe, and it's this, that sex can be fought. Sex can be fought. And so right now, some of y'all, you're in a dating relationship, you're sexually active, but you're trying to follow Jesus. Whew, that's really tough, all right? Um, and so you're, you're already kind of in your mind preparing the conversation, like, okay, how, because because we don't need to break up. I mean, you know, we don't need to get radical here. Some of you are here and you're already thinking, okay, like I've been, I, let's call it what it is. I've been addicted to pornography. My porn, I, took, I took advantage of the free Pornhub subscription during the quarantine, but I just kept it rolling. And I've, I've just been looking at some things. I've been getting in some edgy things. And, but you know what? Um, I, mean, I don't need to get rid of my phone. I mean, let's, be, let's not be radical here. I can manage it and I can fight it. And we don't need to, you know, don't just calm down. We don't need to do we can manage this. We're going to be different. L listen, you've got to understand the reality of your sex drive to be able to understand the new standard that God calls us to in his word. See, let me explain it this way. I've, I've used this illustration in the past. I think it's so fitting. There's this, there's this coffee shop I love to go to in Kansas City called Messenger Coffee. Ooh, let's go. All right, Messenger Coffee. And, and I love to go to Messenger Coffee, and every time I step into their building, I'm like, this is the greatest coffee shop. Are we in heaven coffee right now? I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? And they just did such a good job. You got the baked goods going, the bread. This is one of my favorite things to do with my wife, and it's just awesome. And every time we go there, I mean, I don't have to go to the rooftop, but I'm just trying to get to the rooftop, y'all. Like, if I'm just being, it don't matter what temperature it is, I just want to go up on the rooftop, even if it's just for a quick little... Hey, how y'all doing? You know, just look out over the city because how cool is it that there's a coffee shop in our city that got a rooftop, right? And so I'm going to go to the rooftop every chance I can get. I know that once I step into Messenger Coffee, I'm doing one thing. I'm doing two things. I'm getting a cup of coffee, a Cortado, holla at your boy, and then I'm going to the rooftop. Listen, this is a picture of our sex drive. What I mean by that is, is that you know that you want to go to the rooftop sexually. And if you know that as soon as you step across the threshold of the bottom level, you're trying to get to the rooftop sexually, you need to understand that you can't fight that desire. And so you don't need to even enter into the bottom floor. Are we just going to Netflix and just hang out? I ain't going to say chill because you know what that means. But we're just going to like get some popcorn and stuff. And she's got, you know, or he's got a Snuggie. And so we just, you know, throw back Snuggie. And so we just gonna get under the Snuggie together. I'll just start with my toes underneath the Snuggie. And then my legs underneath the Snuggie. And then next thing I know, we're whatever, right? Well, you know, he just DM'd me at midnight. And he's like, hey, girl, what you doing? You ain't about this. You ain't bad. You know, he started just like throwing things out like that. And you're like, yeah, you know, it was fun. We were chatting. Next thing you know, he showed up at your door at 2 a.m. Brother's trying to get to the rooftop, y'all. He ain't trying to come help you out with some things, okay? And if you know that you want to get to the rooftop, 
it would be wise for you to understand that you can't fight this thing. What are you trying to say, Chad? What, what, what are you trying to say? Here's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Flee sexual immorality. Don't fight it. You can't manage it. You're not made to make out, to dry hump, and then go home. You're made to go the whole way. It's called getting turned on for a reason. And that's why the scripture's antidote to our sexual desire when it's not time to awaken our desire and it's not time to, to go all after it in the context of marriage. That's why the antidote is to flee. And so the new standard that we need is that we've got to run. The standard is that sex needs to be fled. So, but how do we do that? Let me give you an acrostic with the word flee real quick as we kind of finish our time together. The first thing, the F stands for this. If you're going to flee sexual immorality and you're going to understand that every sin that a man does outside of the body, you know, is outside the body, but he commits sexual immorality is a, is a sin against his own body. And we've got to flee against that. First of all, you've got to fill yourself with the Spirit of God. You've got to fill yourself with the Spirit of God. Paul, he's writing to this group of people in Corinth, and he's also writing to another group of people in Ephesians, and he's giving them advice. And, and I want you to understand this, that he's writing to people who are following Jesus that still have sexual issues. And so let's be honest tonight. Let's not pretend like we have it all together so that we can begin to move forward in the way that God wants us to walk. And so he says, you got to flee. you got to fill yourself with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You've got to get under control of the Holy Spirit, that this is the power source. This is what you do. When you're, when you're leaving sexual sin, you got to understand that God is not going to call you away from sexual sin without calling you to put on something, to do something. This is the power of repentance. The power of repentance is not what you turn from, but it's who you turn to. The power of repent, repentance is not what you empty out of your, your system, but it's what you feel in your system. Because y'all know this to be true. Like if this represents pornography, this, this table right here, right? You're like, hey, like I, you know, you click in and all this, whatever. I'm not going to be too crazy, you know, to be weird. But I want you to admit, this, like, this represents your struggle. And you're like, you know what, this is bad, this is bad. I'm, you know, you come down front, you're like, Pastor Jab, I've been looking, you're crying, I've been looking at things, and I've been missing, you know, you, you know all the stuff, right? And you're like, I promise, I promise, I promise, I'm going to leave this behind me. And you're like, I'm turning from, I ain't looking at it no more. You know, it's been a struggle. I've been anxious today. How you doing? I'm going to go ahead and re-download that app. Oh, no, no, and you decide, I need to turn from it, I need to turn from it. Oh, wow, How are you, you know, you're back at this thing. Listen, you've got to turn from this thing, but then you've got to fill yourself with the Spirit of God, and so you've got to be heading in a purposeful direction away from that thing. And so you've got to fill yourself, and listen, the power of repentance is you being filled with the Spirit of God in dependence upon Christ. And like, I, like I've, I learned this in my life, when I begin to break free from these things, what, what happened is that God, he called me away from those things, but he called me to get into his word. The way you're filled with the spirit is you say, God, I need you to speak to me. And then you get around his people. 
and you get some men, men and women, you get some women around you, you share your struggles. We adopted this mantra, you win in the battle, and that specifically was tied to one area, all right? And we begin to take steps away from our sex struggle, away from our sin struggle, and purposeful towards Christ in community, in his word, dependent upon him. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And the power of God begins to do a new work. He begins to transform your thinking. The L stands for lock out the lies. Satan is called the father of lies. It is, the, it is one of the easiest things to do in a relationship to justify your sexual sin, right? We in love, Pastor Chad. We in, we in love. Like we, we, I mean, we're going to get married. You know, I mean, we are so just like, oh, he's different. She's special. Or it's, uh, it was during COVID. It's no big deal. Or everyone struggles and we begin to justify why our sexual sin some of y'all, you've been sliding a DM tonight. Before you came here, you swiped right on three people, just putting out bait. And we come in here, and there's this lie that we've bought into. We're basically married. We haven't, like, had intercourse. It's just other things. So we're still good, right? And there are these lies when it comes to sex. Marriage, marriage will fix this. And we've got to lock out those lies. There are stats upon stats about the destruction of sexual deviancy. If you're living together tonight, you have a 250% greater likelihood of getting a divorce. Not 25, not 2.5, 250. And stat upon stat proves that the Bible's true, that God has a plan. I wonder, what are you willing to sacrifice in order to honor God tonight? The pain of sacrifice is always great, but the pain of disobedience is always greater. And God may be prompting you to sacrifice something tonight. Jesus said this in Matthew 18. He said, it's better for you to enter life, heaven he's talking about, with one eye than with two eyes and be thrown into the hell of fire. He's saying if your, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. What, what is he saying? He's not literally saying pull your eyeball out. But if your phone causes you to sin, maybe get a different one. If he keeps causing you to sin, maybe you just need to rename him in your phone, Sin Struggle. Oh, SS is calling. Maybe you need to do some new things so that you can begin to put some parameters in place so that you can live a new way. L stands for lock out the lies. E stands for exchange lies for truth. Listen, here's the truth. God is good. And we can say that and we can sing that, but oftentimes we have a hard time believing that because, we, because God puts parameters on it. We have this parking lot in our backyard uh, that's, that's owned by this Catholic school that's back in our, you know, they're like, not in our backyard, but on the distance. Anyway, we go to this parking lot. It's a safe parking lot. It's off the road. And this is the place where my kids ride their bikes. And so I got bikes for my kids. Y'all remember this? When you were a little kid, you got a bike. I mean, it was like a big deal, right? So my kids, they all got their bikes. And I got all girls. And so they're pink with baskets and princesses and stuff. They love them, right? So we go back there from time to time. And we ride in this area with the bikes. And here's what I say. I say, I've got this bike for you. It is a gift for you. It's going to be exhilarating. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. You'll be riding your bike. It's going to be great. But I need you to stay within these parameters. Don't go down this driveway and into the road because there are cars in the road. Now, does that mean that I'm not good, not loving? No. 
That means that I want to protect my daughters. I want to give them a good gift, but I give them parameters because if they get outside of those parameters, they're going to get smoked by a car. And a lot of you, you think that God putting parameters on your pleasure is a bad thing or somehow he's not good. And this is the greatest lie underneath all unbelief. Did God really say, is God really good? This is the first lie in the Bible. See, every sin starts with disbelieving that God is good. He has a plan for you. He loves you. And so E, the first E, it stands for exchange lies for truth. And the last E stands for expose yourself to the light. Expose yourself to the light. Listen, secrets cannot grow in the light. And some of you are here tonight and you're, you're struggling with same-sex attraction. Some of you are here tonight and you're struggling with uh, having been abused as a child. Some of you are here tonight and you're struggling with a habitual addiction to pornography. And, and we tend to cover up these types of sins more than the other ones because of the shame and the guilt that's tied to those things. But the power of sin is in secrecy. And we've got to expose those things to the light. And so find a trusted brother or a sister tonight and begin to walk the process of you overcoming those things. 1 John 5, or 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says this, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, listen, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We need a new standard tonight, Paradigm. You look good on the outside. You could probably get turned on and hooked up, but on the inside, something is off. That there's something hollow. And if you don't figure out those things, you'll never truly accomplish your purpose. It's because you're doing things out of God's design and your heart isn't truly connected. And you know this. Like unlike any other struggle, sexual issues could cause us to just feel heavy, to feel dirty, to feel numb, feel deceived. That washing machine that I was sold, man, I felt like bamboozled, man. Like this guy, he lied to me, like big time. Like he even asked me, like, what'd your mom die of? And he had this whole story, and had a little kid with him, and, and he like made up about his mom dying, and that's why he was selling this washing machine. I'm like, that's low, bro. That is low, right? But I give him the cash, and, and, I, and I get back and realize it doesn't work, and I just like was so like just emotionally up and down. Like I felt like my heart got broken, you know? I was like, you took advantage of me. How could he, you know? I was so genuine. I helped him load it up, you know, and I just thought, and I was just, you know, I was mad, and I was sad, and like it really bothered me for way too long. My wife's like, get over it, all right? It's okay. And listen, that's a picture of how a lot of you feel. That either by your, your own perpetrating, that you did some things, or by what somebody has done to you, in regards to this area, you feel deceived. You're like, man, when am I going to learn? How, how could he? How could she? I thought, I, I thought we were better than that. And we think somehow that because we've done some things, that when we come to God and we haven't kept his standard, 
He doesn't want us. But that couldn't be farther from the truth. The God that I serve and the, the Jesus that I read about and that I follow, he says this, it's never too late for a new start. That if you want to implement some new standards and you want to follow Jesus, it starts with you becoming a new creation. Paul, when he wrote, flee sexual immorality because sin sexually, it does something internally to us that no other sin does. He would go on to say in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he would say that you were, you were bought with a price. He would, he would begin to remind this congregation of, of Christians who were sleeping with their stepmom and going to sleep with prostitutes and doing all kinds of crazy things. He would say, that's not the way of God. Let me remind you of how valuable you are. And some of you, you need to hear that tonight, that you're not damaged goods. You, you may feel like a hoe, but God can make you holy. You may feel like trash, but God can make you a treasure. You may feel like raunchy, but God can make you redeemed. You may have looked at porn again and again, but God's saying, come to me and let's be born again. That it's not too late to start new. And some of you, that's exactly what you need. I just want to invite you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to pray. We're going to sing a song, and before we do that, I just want to ask you, like, how, how are you? <laughs> like, do you relate to my washing machine? It, does it feel like something is missing on the inside? And everything on the surface, it all looks like, you know, it's fine and dandy, but really, how are you doing? And secondly, what have you done? One of the scariest things to me is that, is that God is everywhere and he knows everything. But one of the most fascinating things to me is that he is everywhere and he knows everything, but he still loves me. And why that's so fascinating is because I know me. I wonder if you know God that way. That he knows everything you've done. He knows everything you've clicked on, every time you've touched something that was displeasing to him. Every empty night you felt. Every broken heart you've gone through. And he loves you. He knows everything. And he still loves you. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends that as they think about how they're doing and what they've done in their life, how that they would trust that you gave your life so that they could have life, that your word says if any man is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And by faith, we believe that that could take place tonight that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to be new creatures in you and then help us to have new standards in order to glorify you. In Christ's name I pray, amen.